And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed with him. It's the My Favourite Film Podcast. It's me, Gav Smith, back again. Tonight, I am joined by comedian Mike Cap- Oh, I knew I was going to get your name wrong. I told you that in a little beforehand. I said, I'll get your name wrong. Capulze. Capulze. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Capzola. Capazola. No. Capazola. Oh, man. Do you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll get it right at some point. Okay. <laughs> it's pronounced different than it's spelled. That's what it is, isn't it? That's what yes. I have problems with, I think. It's a complicated yeah. name, no matter what. But it, it, yeah. it was Capozzolo, and then it became Capazzola. Right, Capazzola. There you go. Anyway, that, that's Mike. You heard him speaking there. Um, he's there. Um, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, that type of thing, please, Mike. I'm from the States originally. I was uh, born in a little town called New Rochelle, New York. It's north of the city, and I moved here uh in 2018 from san francisco where where i i'd been living there for about 22 years so kind of uh east coast and west coast so so the so so the new york accent has been uh tamed a bit yeah just a little bit there's a there's a twang there now and again i mean i've spoken to lots of people from the states and you can you can kind of tell roughly where people are from but it comes out when i get worked up gav yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm from uh, Newcastle originally, but I live in Leeds now. But when I get get a bit angry, the old Geordie comes out. I mean, I sound a lot right. more northern than I really am. Um, <laughs> anyway, tonight um, we are talking about a Western, a, an absolutely wonderful Western. Um, and I, we were talking just before we started recording. It, it is a, probably a Western that gets a little bit overlooked now and again. Um, but it's probably by one of the the best known sort of Western actors that are all around. He stars in it. He directed this one. He's directed lots of other things at this point as well in his life. He's best known, I think, for being uh, an actor in Westerns, apart from many other things that he's done. Can you tell us what the film is? And if possible, a little plot synopsis of what this film's all about. It's Pale Rider. It's not Clint Eastwood's best movie. It's not even my favorite of his movies, but... It's got a lot going on. It's very rewatchable. I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. a word. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it feels very dated. You know, it's it's from 85, but because it's set long ago in the 1800s, yeah. there's nothing about it. That, you know, there's no synth music. No. You know, there's no 80s fashion. You know, it's <laughs> it, 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 it holds up. Yeah. So, uh, in a nutshell, a preacher blows into town in a little mining community that's uh, seeing some hard times. The miners are struggling to uh, uh, pull gold out of the, out of the creek, out of the riverbed while being uh, there's a a crooked land baron trying to chase them away and and take over the land. And he's using, uh, you know, mercenary forces to drive them away. And the preacher gives them hope. He, uh, he's kind of the fulcrum with which they find the, the, the grit to turn things around and, and, um, stand their ground. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good plot synopsis of what goes on. Yeah. Um, it's, ah, 
You said it's not your favourite Clint Eastwood film. I mean, it, it's up there though. It, it's 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 a real it's a real goodie, isn't it? You know, there's yeah. He's done so many different films, and I think his westerns have got a lot of different westerns in there, a lot of different themes. But this one kind of it harks back to his man with no name sort of entry into westerns, where he started in the spaghetti westerns, where you have this geezer that just turns up, he's got no name, and he just tries to save the day. In fact. This one's got a lot in common with, say, a fistful of dollars. A fistful of dollars. I couldn't say that properly. There, it's a very similar film in certain ways. It's almost riffing on that whole fistful of dollars theme. The whole. The... He, you know, he doesn't have a name in this one. Yeah. He doesn't have a name in High Plains Drifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that's intentional because, hey, you want to say it's the same guy? You know, they call him Blondie yeah. in one of the yeah. Blondie. Hey, Blondie, you've got a face. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you could make the case. You know, it's it's one of those. Is it the same guy? Who can say? I don't think Clint Eastwood, if you if you ask him, would ever tell you. You know, you know, it's no. It serves a purpose, and it's kind of a spiritual cousin to High Plains Drifter, where they both have like yeah. a teaspoon of supernatural at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah did yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to that. I think at some point in this. So, when did you first see this film? Right before we uh, we went live here, I emailed my brother to fact check what I remember. We my brother, my mom took me and my brother to see it at the uh, movie theater in a little town called Mamaroneck, New York. This is right. north of Manhattan, not terribly far from Yonkers, the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, I don't even know if the Mamaroneck theater's there anymore, but uh, I know I went with my brother, and I know my mom took us probably like a Saturday or Sunday matinee. You know, we weren't driving at the time. I was either 14 or 15 and my brother was either 13 or 14 i forget what month the movie came out right so you saw it basically on release at at the cinema couldn't wait because i was already a big fan of dirty harry (laughs) but don't forget sunday act had come out in 83 make my day and uh, yeah 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 um something about you know i he's just he's you can't take your eyes off the guy like he's no no it's done with a twinkle and a wink and a and a grin and a scowl yeah he's he got has a great got... face you know yeah and i and you know what's funny gav i just learned he shot it i'm uh i'm 53 years old and he um he shot it uh about my age right back then so it's just you know he's an old man to me in the movie like you know yeah 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 coming through but yeah he's my age now when you know but with the great yeah. with the full beard and the, the the leathery face from years of shooting in the desert yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. In wow. my mind, he would have been eighty or something back when I was a kid. But yeah, he's my yeah, age. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm only a year younger than you, so yeah, it's 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 weird to think that he was the same age as we are now shooting this type of film because he doesn't. He, he looks a lot older. You're right in the film. He's got a, a much more weathered look. But I guess he's yeah. supposed to, isn't he? He's out there in the, the desert, as you say, and he's been riding the trail for however long, so he should look a bit older. But yeah. Yeah, and then six years later was uh, Unforgiven, which swept like yeah. every award that year. I think ninety two, ah. like best director, best screenplay, best, best yeah. supporting actor. It got everything, and that was a script he'd sat on for decades. I think till he was old enough to be yes. the remorseful, haunted gunfighter. Yeah, yeah. Which again, you can't do that could... at twenty two. <laughs> no, it's very difficult, isn't it? <laughs> you, you can't gaze but... into the to the campfire and I've done bad things <laughs> today. You did bad things today. Yeah, well, but just last week is that what yeah. it? Um, yeah, I mean, but again, that Unforgiven could very easily be the same man with no name gunfighter that 
or preacher or whatever he yeah. is. So, yeah, there's definitely links in all of them, isn't there? Yeah. So you say you're a big fan of Eastwood. Was it just the Dirty Harry films or had you seen his Westerns beforehand as well? You know, all, all of the above. All of know, the above. Just the, um, we, I think I was pretty lucky. I mentioned my parents were both teachers. They were busy. I think yeah. I was a little, I was pretty much unsupervised. So there was no like, uh, <laughs> oh, you better shut that off. People get shot and killed in the Dirty Harry yeah. movies. You know, I was very lucky that, um, you know, unsupervised, I guess, is the best word. Yeah, just the yeah. Dirty Harry movie. And also each movie just had some either moment or a dialogue that makes you just. Yeah. I still quote that stuff to my, to my brother. <laughs> you know, they're all, they're just great line. You know, uh, they just pop out at you. So when when there was like the new Western by Clint Eastwood, like, oh, how long do I have to wait for this to come out? What? Yeah. You know. <laughs> I remember the trailer. I remember Stockburn's yeah. deputies. There was a quick quick cuts of them with the, with the Winchesters. You know, they're all. Very quick yep. cuts of them shooting yeah, a liner yeah. who got out of line. Yeah. The cinematography yeah, just, is just incredible. Oh, it is. It's, it's a beautifully shot film. As I think a lot of Westerns of the time, and certainly Clint Eastwood when he directs a Western, he, he seems to know what he wants to get on screen, and he seems to be able to direct it in a nice way and get the cinematographer to, to produce a beautiful-looking film. So, Let me ask you, had you seen it? When it came out, or did you rewatch it and had you had seen it before? Or always loved Clint Eastwood films. Um, the the Dollars trilogy was, I think, where I started with westerns. I'd never really been a fan of westerns, and then my brother kind of went, "Watch this, Festival yeah. of Dollars," and it was just an amazing film. And he said, "And there's a sequel, and there's a sequel." I'm like, right, okay, watch them. And I sat and I'm, I don't know how many other times I've seen the the yeah. Spaghetti Western trilogy, but they're just amazing films and. I then got into it. I then saw, saw Dirty Harry, saw Play Misty with Me, for me, rather, seen just about everything that Clint Eastwood's done. I think he's an amazing actor and an amazing director. Yeah. You know, put him in front of or behind the camera, and he seems to have something, some sort of magic that makes his films just yeah. great. And when you then said, we'll do a Clint Eastwood film, I said, oh, what, which one would he pick? Which is going to be the one that he picks? Because I thought, anyone he picks, I'm going to love it anyway. But when he said, you Play win, Dirty, right? Everybody wins. Yeah. Absolutely. When you say pale rider, I thought, oh, that that's that is a really good choice because it is one that's it's overlooked, I think. Um, it's a really good film. It's got mm-hmm. everything in it that most of his other westerns have got. Mm-hmm. And it's just got something about it that is it's kind of timeless and it it looks beautiful. It's got a really interesting story. And as you say, there is a kind of a supernaturally type bit towards the yeah. end that you just kind of think, eh, okay. Yeah. Is he this guy from High Plains Drifter who yeah. also could have been the man with no name? I, yeah. I, I think it I think it, it hues closer to High Plains Drifter because yes. that, that has just something about it. Like I don't know if Clint yeah. would even ever admit to it, but I wish I wonder no. if somebody ever asked him, you know. No. I, I I think it's just he almost was doing something that now it's done all the time, this whole reimagining and rebuilding of of a legend, I guess. He yeah. Whenever he goes back to Westerns, I think he always thinks, well, hold on. If we don't give him a name or we just give him a nickname, there's a possibility that I'm playing the same character as I played all the way through the rest of my sort of yeah. Western movie career. And I, I think there's a, a lot of that in there, that it's not necessarily a sequel. It's not even necessarily the same person. It's just there was a lot of guys like this out there on the trail and he's just putting it out there. Possibly it's the same guy. Who knows? Yeah. Who can say? Exactly. So, yeah. 
you're obviously you'd waited, seen the the trailers, you were ready for a new Clint Eastwood film and whatever else. After seeing it, was it immediate? This is great. I've now got to go and see it again, or I've got to tell all my friends how great it is. They've got to go and see it, or was it? Uh, do you know what? It's not his best. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. And um, before I got into stand-up, I, I, uh, most people knew me as a cartoonist. And right, okay. I think that was how I processed the world, the way I guess a singer-songwriter, if something emotional happens and they want to they wanna process it. That's the, le- you know, the, the guitar is their lens or the piano. And yep. for me, it was drawing. And I, you know, somewhere there's like charcoal sketches of, you know, primitive art, me drawing squinty <laughs> quint, you know, squinty quint. I, I do remember... And I have one of them somewhere in my mom's, in a box at my mom's place in New York. Yeah. Um, a pen and ink, you know, made with marker and stuff. And who knows, like stamp pad ink, whatever I had handy. But but it's, yeah. you know, him from Pale Rider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that... You know, my 14-year-old, my the best I could do at 14. But that was how I kind of processed. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably... like, yeah. I was just going to say, probably similar to the, the actual, the movie poster for it, that because that's a, a kind of charcoal-y type drawing of, of Clint just there in the yeah. whole poster. It's just that on a sort of a, a tea-stained background sort of thing, like an old wanted poster or something. Yeah. Gav, I'll tell yeah. you something kind of magical regarding that poster. This And um, when I watched the movie the other day with uh, some friends of mine, I, I remembered yeah. this. In the, the local newspaper where uh, in the town where I was born in New York, there was a an artist I liked who drew... Uh, sports figures for the sports page. Right. I didn't really follow sports, okay. but he was a great artist and he would draw, let's just say somebody was like, they broke someone's record or they're the MVP or, or there was a, a Mets, the Mets catcher Thurman Munson died in a plane crash and there was a big gigantic charcoal drawing of him. So the artist, his name was uh, Frank Becerra Jr. And, um, right. or Frank Becerra, I forget if it's Jr. by picture Jr. But I wrote him a fan letter because he had drawn Clint Eastwood for the review of Pale Rider, right. and he had drawn this oh, wow. gorgeous charcoal. I don't know if it was charcoal, but it looked it looked like pencil. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I said, I, I'm, uh, I'm 14. I, I, I want to be a comic book artist. <laughs> Can I uh, call you with a few questions? And and here's my number. And he called me one afternoon. And we chatted, and I got to nerd out about, you know, <laughs> so is it Conti crayon or vine chalk? How, you know, that, do you draw it lightly with a number, like a light pencil, like a 3B or 4? You know, and he, we, we nerded out about the stuff that he used. It was almost like asking wow. a, a magician, so how did you do that? And like, oh, I have yeah. two decks, you know, like that. But then he asked me for my address, and he mailed me not the original art that he drew for the Pale Rider review, but this, yeah. this slick that had all sorts of, like, notes around the margins that I think was like a photostat they used for eventually wow. printing the paper so it was like a wow you know, like an a3 of of the original of his original charcoal art and it was the wow it was just the greatest like getting you know like keith richard's pick or something like that you know? yeah 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 it's, and I, it's probably again like in a box somewhere in my mom's house in new york it was just wow. the, like such a thoughtful gesture and he didn't treat me like a doofus even though i was 13 or 14 i think he no. saw that i was asking serious art questions yeah 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 it was just wow, so cool that... that this thing showed up. I mean, granted, it's just it's just a local artist. You know, this wasn't like you know Banksy giving you something. You know, no, 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 no. Just it's just so just... cool. And it was yeah, that Clint. Wow, stuff like yeah. that's really cool. It, it's it's nice when you talk to someone who obviously shares an interest with you and has something I suppose to give that you can go actually. You know that that's a really nice thing to have. That's something that I want to have. And yeah, and yeah. to send you some of that is amazing. Yeah. 
Wow. Cool. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And then you, you mentioned the poster. I, I couldn't not yeah, yeah. That, that, that thing. It was very, a big deal for a 13-year-old or 14-year-old. Oh, I can imagine it was. Yeah, I think if I'd I've been given some of that at 13 or so, I'd have it on my wall in the um, in my bedroom. It would have been up there. It would be straight away, yeah. yeah. Amazing thing to have, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. I'm, going to, I'm trying to get back on track now in the film because you've, you've taken me off on a little tangent. I quite like that. That's what I do best. Oh, we, we like tran- tangents are great. Um, so you did mention that this isn't your favourite Clint Eastwood film. It's just one that is a goodie. W- what would you actually put down as being your, your favourite Clint Eastwood film? Then? I have uh, a, a very... I have great memories of watching The Outlaw Josie Wales when, oh, you know, when yeah. it was on TV. Great I was one. only yeah. like six when it came out in the theaters in 76, I think it mm. was. And, you know, but I just remember like it would, like the ABC Sunday night movie with Clint Eastwood, <laughs> the outlaw Josie Wills will we'll return after these messages, you know, like, and it was, you know, they chopped up this long movie into like a long night, you know, cut up with commercials. So that's really not yeah. the optimal way to see it. But like I said, they're not going to take me to see the outlaw Josie Wales at age five or six. N- no, not at all. But yeah, I think we all saw multiple versions of Clint's early films, I suppose, on television. I know I did. I saw a lot of them on, yeah. on television when I was younger. And then I guess the VHS boom helped an awful lot getting his back catalogue. Um, and he's done some amazing films from from, from Westerns all the yeah. way through to, to, well, comedy with things like Any, Every Which Way But Loose. And yeah, those monkey that, you know? movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think Westerns is where he always seems to fit best. The, the grizzled, the grizzled action hero is where he fits best. So that works for yeah. Dirty Harry, or it works for he's man with no name type character and, and these type of things. Um, yeah. But here he's also directing, which he's done an awful lot through his career. I mean, some of his even like his early films, uh, Play Misty for me, he directed Play Misty for me. So you know, he's been directing for a long time. How do you rate him as, as a director? I think he's a great director. He he, uh, and I think he would. I think I'd read that in some countries they consider him a director who also, by the way, acts <laughs> acts by the way on the side. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's known Malpaso Productions, his production company. Like, yeah, they, he became known as a guy who brought the movies in, as they say, ahead of time yep. under budget. So, yeah, there was nobody breathing down his neck. Nobody was. Can you imagine them trying to bother him with notes? You know, like, um, did the did the killer have to be so mean with the with the pon- with the ponies? Like, you know, get the hell out of here! Like, nobody's that must have been the freedom he had because yeah. the bottom line, he brought him in ahead of time and under budget. Absolutely, nobody's Absolutely. giving him notes. Uh, Clint, no, Clint, the fellas and I were wondering if maybe it's none of that. <laughs> so he's he's he. There's an economic element, but I don't mean yeah. just finance. Like he's, I think his instincts are there. Where he he knows. Just, yeah, we got it. Next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 brings the as you say, he brings things in on time and under budget. He he doesn't. I don't think he messes around. I've seen a few sort of documentary things that they've done on DVD extras and stuff, and he, he seems to have a a style where he just goes right. We're doing this scene. This is how we do it. Da da da. Yeah. Let's go shoot. Right, done it. That's it. One take and it's done. Or maybe oh yeah, we'll just change this around a bit. He doesn't seem to mess around he, a lot of directors will take five six seven takes um of the exactly the same thing and there's no difference from the actors even yeah. in it. but he, he seems to just go and just do it right okay 
you know, who, who uh, made uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. And I think where Eagles, yeah. maybe the Iger sanction, a few, you know, like he's like, this, yeah, he yeah. learned a lot from Don Siegel. Just like yeah. this was a guy who knew what he wanted. He was prepared. They didn't screw around on the set. Yeah, this yeah. was, let's get it done. The, the sun's going down. A lot of these were location shoots where you just can't. Absolutely. Dally, if you're on, if you're on the, you know, you're on the rock wall shooting yeah, a, yeah. a climbing scene, there's no yeah. dallying. <laughs> no, no, you just got to get it done after you, yeah. 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 And I think that's, I think it's something that a lot of directors are missing, to be honest, because you hear of all these stories of directors on films that it seems to take them hours and hours and days and days to put together one scene that you think, actually, yeah. you must know what you wanted. You must know what you want it to look like. You must know what the actors yeah. need to do. Just direct them to do what you want them to do. And if they don't do it right, then maybe it was all right anyway. See what it looks like and give it a try. But I yeah. don't know. I'm not a director myself, so I don't know what it's like to be on the set and actually try and do those things. I'm sure it's quite difficult. You know, Gav, the first 10 years I was in San Francisco, I worked as a set PA on a lot of features right. and TV okay. shows. You know, yep. but I just, the job was to kind of like keep your mouth shut, keep your eyes open, keep, yeah. you know, <laughs> listen and get, make, the, make the problem not a problem. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I learned a lot. I just watched it with obviously different styles. And, you know, sometimes it was a party that also happened to shoot a movie at the same time. And sometimes yeah. it was like as grave as could be, <laughs> you know, but it was fascinating to be there, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, I've, I've often wanted to visit a film set and just see how it all works. The nearest I've got is watching, you know, DVD extras and seeing what it actually looks like there. But yeah, it'd be really interesting to. To be there on set and see how it all yeah. works, and it's very hyper real. It's hyper. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, the lights, I can imagine. Everything's saturated. It's, yeah, it's pretty hyper yeah. real. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, go on. I'll tell you something funny that's related to PA work. In '97, uh, you know, right. Labor Day is our our end of summer. Yeah. Thing in yep. the states. Everybody was, I was living with some friends in San Francisco and everybody was out of town. It was, I had no money. I was bone broke. I couldn't go anywhere. My friends were all gone. And I was just kind of like not having a pity party, but I was just restless. I remember, <laughs> and the phone rings and it's this guy who I'd worked for on a, on a shoot on a commercial. And he goes, Oh Mike, thank God. <laughs> thank God you're there. Listen, buddy, I'm in a jam. Are you available this weekend? I'm like, as it happens, I can make some time this weekend. What do you need? <laughs> and he said, uh, I had this, I had this kid lined up to help me. We were, we're going to shoot in the slick rock desert in Moab, Utah. It's uh, wow. it's a, it's a mountain bike ad for a giveaway that comes with the car. So there was a, there was an off-road vehicle that was, if you buy the car, we throw in a bicycle. Wow. So we we're going to shoot wow. footage in the desert of like dads, middle-aged yeah, yeah. class dads doing like wheelies in the desert on these to make, basically the guys would think if I buy the car, I'm going to turn into an action hero. <laughs> so this is the point, Gab. This is what I was going to tell you. So the Slick Rock Desert in Moab has these canyons, and we were walking through the canyon. Everybody's carrying something. You know, this is like way out there. This isn't like pull yeah. up in the parking lot and go in. Yeah. This is pull up in the parking lot. and like, all right, you ready? We're going like three hours into the desert. <laughs> there's like a set medic with snake bite venom, and there's, you know, there's like, it was, a, it was a, probably like 60 or 70 people, and Anyway, I noticed that – so there's a long line of us carrying gear, and I noticed that there was an echo. Like somebody must have kicked a rock, and you could hear the echo. And I don't know what, I don't know what prompted me to do this, but, I, but out of nowhere, I go like this. 
come back, preacher. And it goes, come back, preacher, 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 preacher. You know, like it is at the end of <laughs> Yeah, just of, like then. Yeah. Bell Rider. The, the little girl is saying, wow. come back. And then somebody <laughs> picks up on that. And like, we love you, preacher, preacher, preacher. I love you, preacher. So the people who knew the movie were doing the lines from the little girls like, come back, preacher, 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 preacher. And we're in the desert. It was, it was like the funniest thing because wow. they're all film nuts. Of course they knew the movie. <laughs> Costed, and yeah. I didn't have to ask anybody, hey, do you know the last 30 seconds of Pale Rider? Of course they did. It you just, just did so, it. To me, it was so funny. That's when you, it was really cool if you had like mobile phone technology that we've got now, you could video that or you could record yeah. it. That'd be, a, you know, that, that'd be a TikTok bit just straight off, wouldn't it? You could get that yeah. on. But it's hey. just uh, trapped in my memory now. Yeah. Know, but it was, a, oh. it was a funny, to go from being like bone broke, and restless yeah. and like to all of a sudden like a, I, I basically you know when, when that call came in i was like let's do it paul what do you need he goes i'm going to leave a ticket for you in your name and i'm going to buy it over the phone there'll be a ticket in your name at sfo <laughs> go to la tonight we got a wow. hotel for you first thing in the morning first light my assistant wow. such and such is going to meet you and give you the keys to the u-haul <sighs> and then you got to haul ass through vegas out to the desert you know it's just oh man it was like a game show. Like I felt like I'd won the lottery, you know. Yeah, yeah. That sounds oh. fab. So the yeah. truck was, you know, all my, my my job was just don't crash the truck. It's got the expensive camera and the lenses yeah. and all the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Don't get in an accident or bad yeah. things. Hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, hope for the best. Right. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, remember it's my favorite film podcast at gmail.com. On X, or used to be Twitter, it's at my favorite film. Instagram, it's at my favorite film dot. No, it's not. It's at my favorite film podcast. I was just going to give you the name of the website there, which is myfavoritefilm.com. So all those links, if you want to search for them on the website, is the best way to do it. Or we are on Facebook, two groups on there. There's community group and there's a page. All of that, like I say, all links to the website, best idea. Um, our theme tune was written and performed by the Craig Whale Collaboration. Their new album, A Long Way Home, is still available to buy and stream all good and possibly bad, and maybe even ugly music outlets. Mike, anything you've got to sell? Anything you want to sell at this moment in time? Uh, I'm just looking around the living room to see if there's anything. <laughs> really but, uh, the horse no, picture is no quite nice, quite like that. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's from an old uh, calendar. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty little backdrop. There you go. If anyone wants to buy a horse picture of um, yeah. Mike, that, I that's I can't get rid of that still. one, no. <laughs> I, you, no, know, you know the, the last the last name is my website Capizola, and there's the live dates are on there for the stand up. But I don't think anybody, Excellent. based on my performance on the podcast, will be like, "This guy's a scream. We got to go see what he does on stage." Do you know what? I'll put links into the show notes anyway. If anyone's interested, the links there. Have a look. You never know. Mike might be playing near you, and I, I reckon that when not on a podcast, he's really really funny. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, should we get back to this film then? And of what course. were we doing? Let's so, resume. right, Pale Rider. This could be a really easy one. Um, who's your favorite character? So not actor. Who's the favorite character in the film? There's so many. The miners have mm. these great faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's one guy, I think the actor's name is Snodgrass, and I forget the character's name, but he's got this great nose, and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's... No, you mean, yeah. I think we should, think we should take LaHood's offer. You know, he's like, uh, 
I'm not a brave man, but I ain't no coward neither. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to die in Carbon Canyon. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I loved seeing uh, Richard Keel, Jaws, from Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Yes. Yeah. There's something about him. Again, he doesn't have any dialogue. He's mostly grunting. He does. Yeah. He does when when the those when these bad guys have attacked little Megan, who's like whatever yep. fifteen or whatever, and they're you know tearing her clothes off, and you hear him kind of mutter like, "Oh no, 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 no." Yeah. So we see the humanity come through this man mountain, who even yeah. though he works for the hood, he yeah. has enough, and he also, even though Clint Eastwood kicks his ass, he prevents. Yeah. <laughs> Little LaHood, you know, his yep. boy from shooting Clinton in the back, shooting the preacher yeah. in the, he, you know, <clears throat> swats away the rifle. See, that was something I didn't quite understand at 14. Yeah, later, yeah, probably not, yeah. And I'd ask my mom, like, why did, uh, why did the big giant stop his boss from shooting Clint Eastwood in the back? And she said, you know, like she was a teacher, you know, and she's, I think yeah. she respected him. She, you know, he knew right from wrong and he respected yeah. The preacher, even though preacher yep. had caused him a lot of pain, you saw him, he hit the guy in the nuts. Yeah, with yeah, a yeah, hammer. absolutely, yeah, yeah. How? Not just a kick in the nuts, a sledgehammer. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gotta hurt, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's a it's a great commentary on character where this man mountain, yeah, has has, a, has enough moral fiber, like don't rape the girl and don't yep. shoot the preacher in the back. In the back, yep, yep. But and but this is the killer, the enforcer. He's the guy that they dog whistle like, take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so he he's uh, to me it's a very interesting thing to have the the pit bull. Yes. Do do it's, good things. Yeah, I guess he is. He's a really interesting character because he is. He's there as the villain. He's the one that you you're kind of rooting for Clint to beat. But he also has these moments of pure genius i suppose those moments where you, you do you go, actually do you know what he, he's not such a bad guy he's got some sort of level of integrity there he's yeah. he's all right he won't let the really bad things happen to people yeah he's There's gonna humanity stop that. In this one guy yeah yeah surrounded yeah, amazing, by these really. villains yeah yeah and he's supposed to be the, the worst of them i suppose and he's he's yes. not really the worst of them. he's just this massive guy they happen to have working for them <laughs> yeah everybody so guess, else is worse than this bad guy yeah yeah and yeah, i guess cool he he would have worked for the, the highest bidder it's just the highest bidder happened to be the worst guy around yeah. yeah so i guess he's just trying to make a living isn't he yeah yeah okay so if he's your favorite character so this could be the same guy because you might just go well you know he's the same guy but is there a who's the best performance who's the best sort of acting performance within this so not necessarily you know, Stockburn, and I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. He's almost like the anti-preacher where he's he's the guy in the black hat. Like yeah, yeah. Doesn't say a lot. Nope. Doesn't. Nope. He, 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 his, his uh, deputies, they do all the shooting and the killing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a moment where, where LaHood says to Stockburn, the deputy, he gives him the description and Stockburn, like just the slightest twitch of recognition not over the top by any means, just the slightest, yeah. huh? He's like, and LaHood asked him, do you know the preacher? Do you know this man? He's like, no, couldn't be. Well, how do you know? The man I knew is dead. Yeah. Whoa. Which which links kind of to the end a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? You know, there's a, 
there's that moment where we see the pattern on preacher's back as he takes his shirt off. He's, you know, yeah. when he's an invited guest of Hull yeah. and his, and his betrothed, and you see the exact pattern, kind of like an oval, pow, pow, yeah. pow, all the bullet holes in his back. Yeah. I was saying to one of my friends who saw the, who came over, I had a few people over for the screening. Excellent. Uh, you know, one was a, Excellent. a comedian friend and actor and two actor friends. Yeah. And I was just saying, and one of the guys hadn't seen it before. And I was just saying like, if you happen to sneeze at that moment or you spill your drink as you see the, <laughs> the pattern on the back, it means nothing. The whole ending is lost to you. Yeah, you yeah, like, completely. Oh, my God. He he kills Stockburn with the same precision of shots yeah. that, uh, that that mark his own back that nobody yeah. lives through like six bullets through the no. vital organs. That is a, no. a round robin of death. Yes, but he absolutely. But somehow. Or did he? Or did he? Or did he? Who knows? It's yeah. a difficult one, is that? I wonder. That, I think that's that's the. It is that that pattern on his back, I suppose, and the way that he then uses the same pattern again is the thing that leaves you wondering. At the end, it did was he even there? Was the preacher even there? Did he exist? Was he some sort of figment of imagination, or was he some sort of demon, or whatever else? Um, I guess that's where we need to get to because. I was going to, we talked about it briefly before about how this kind of is a reimagining almost of the man with no name from the, the Sergio Leone um, yeah. Dollars trilogy. And you've sort of gone more like it's High Plains Drifter. But I guess you, uh, even there, that's kind of reimagining. So, well, the, yeah. the, if you remember the end of High Plains Drifter, yeah. the, the, little, the, the little guy that they deputize, yeah. uh, what's it, M- M- Mordecai, maybe, I think is his name. That sounds and right. I'm trying to think, but it's been a while yeah. since I've seen Hyperion's Drifter, but yeah. But he's, he looks up at, at Clint Eastwood as he's about to leave town. He goes, hey, I never did catch your name. Do you remember what he says? Oh, no, I can't. I can't. He, he looks down at him. He goes, you know who I am. Ah, that, that's right. It doesn't give a name. It just says, yeah. You know yeah. who I am. And, and the whole movie, it alluded to the fact that the, the former sheriff was yep. horse whipped to death by the gangs in uh, uh what's the town called um oh shit. They, they, they paint it red hell yes you know. yeah it's pretty wild like it's implied he's either the reincarnation or maybe he, well they didn't have plastic surgery back then but no no it was kind of a reincarnation i mean that's one quick reincarnation because they're it's well absolutely in the yeah same <laughs> time time frame but it's because and clint has clint rep when Clint is in High Plains Drift, he's resting. He has memories of being, of the old sheriff being horse whipped to death. Uh, yeah, lynched. yeah. They, these guys yeah. lynch the sheriff. Yeah. It, it's so, this, there is, there's a, a big sort of supernatural element there in High Plains Drifter that you, you kind of wonder, was Clint the sheriff? Was Is he some sort of avenging angel that appears in this form whenever there's been something bad happen? So... You know, in play, Pale Rider, is the preacher some sort of avenging angel again? You know, he, the, he's got the yes. the marks back to show that this guy has been shot, and those yeah. six bullet wounds, as you say, there's no way you live through that. You know, the, yeah, it, it's it's difficult, isn't it, to think that there's got to be something more to it. Um, this avenging angel in the right place at the right time, who's paid yeah. a steep price for intervention before. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. Uh, I guess that that moves on to sort of the next bit about 
I saw Hollywood in its remix. I'm kind of skipping around my, my normal format a little bit here. But this film is, I suppose, like many Westerns have been, it's got this guy who turns up in town. Um, there's a problem with the local villain, businessman, whatever. It's 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 story the line that's been used so many times. Um, yeah. I mean, like I say, Fistful of Dollars itself has that, yeah. and that's based on what was it? Uh, oh, the Samurai movie. Can't remember the full name yeah. of it, but it's based on that. And then you've got Last Man Standing, which is then based again on that. So it's uh, a storyline. I just watched. I you know it's it's Yo Jimbo. Yo, that's it, your Jimbo. Yeah, which is. I just watched Fistful. Of, uh, I just watched uh, Last Man Standing recently, a couple yeah. days ago, and they have they have a a scene there that harkens back to High Plains Drifter, where where yeah. John Smith in Last Man Standing is in a tub in this western yeah. town, yeah. captured. In, you know, but like it's it's a similar kind of like ah soaking in the tub, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, the, the, they're all they've all. This, this storyline's been used, I don't know how many times, and it's almost yeah. like they, they're just reimagining it, they, they change it around. Could you remake Pale Rider? Is it worth remaking Pale Rider? Is there any point in remaking a film like this? No, or is it no just, point. you're just, just going to do the same thing again, but maybe with different actors, but it's not really remakes? Who would do it too? It's just, it, well, feels, like, it, it feels like there's nothing, it said what it had to say. Yeah. Whatever that yeah. was, um, yeah, I would hate to see it remade, or or more to the point where they borrow it and, uh, you know, it, hey, it takes place in the in the sixties yeah. or you know that kind of <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they remade uh, the Gauntlet as as yeah. another movie with Bruce Willis. I forget what it was called, but you know, like, and that's kind of an old tale. Like, but why would but why would the DA request a an alcoholic, nearsighted, washed-up <laughs> homicide cop who's nearing retirement yeah. to transfer the key witness in the mob trial. <laughs> the, hmm. You know, I wonder. <laughs> that no is one a thought great that movie, through. The Gauntlet. Oh, yeah, Gauntlet's another great Yeah. I, I, that's it. If it's Clint Eastwood, uh, I've probably seen it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Perfect movie. Um, it's a perfect yeah. movie. It, it's, it's one of many perfect movies I think he's made. Um, so, what about... You can't remake it, and we've kind of said that this man with no name is possibly the same guy in all of Clint's movies where he's in a Western setting. Is there a possibility of doing another one to so bring Clint back and get him to do it again, or he's just he's just too old now? Isn't he? It's not... You know, I think Unforgiven kind of put a yeah, it did didn't it? put it to it? bed there. Like it, it, I I would love to see Clint do another Western, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Do <laughs> you want to hear some shameless name dropping for a second? Oh, go on. Speaking a little of, bit of shameless name. Uh, Unforgiven. Yeah. I I don't know where I got it. Probably at like you know a movie festival or something. But I got this gorgeous eight by ten black and white slick of Clint from Unforgiven. You know, just looking angry and scarred <laughs> and you know just like a, just how he looks. This is his face. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this gorgeous eight by ten, and um, a friend of mine worked for a company that sponsored this uh, film festival in San Francisco and they were, it, they were giving the Akira, Kara, Akira Kurosawa award to Clint Eastwood at, um, for a lifetime of directing. And they were showing at the palace yeah. of fine arts, which is a big, gorgeous theater, kind of like hack the empire or something like a gorgeous, monstrously big theater. And they showed uh, 
High Plains Drifter. Yep. And I, I brought my 8x10 with me, hoping maybe there'd be a way to somehow <laughs> get backstage and meet Clint. You know, it's a long shot, but like, at yeah. least if I had it, and I happened yeah. to meet him, and I brought yeah. a Sharpie. Yeah. And when the movie let out, I saw that the only thing separating the artist area was a curtain. And I waited for somebody's back to be turned. <laughs> and I just kind of went in the curtain, just like a magic trick. Just <laughs> And I went in, and I'm backstage all of a sudden. And Clint Eastwood is standing there drinking a bottle of water. Wow. And I said, Mr. Eastwood, if it's not too much trouble, can I ask you to sign the 8x10? And just at that moment, this handler... You know, like, shoo, how did you get here? Shoo, what are you doing here? Shoo. And I was hoping Clint oh. would go, it's okay. You know, like that. But it was I'll easier. make his day. It, it was easier for Clint to, to, to side with the people that brought him yeah. here. Yeah. But here's the thing. At the end of the night, by fluke, I saw him getting into his car just the way, like, wow. a normal person in the crowd. He was parked with everybody else. Wow. And drove his own car. Just in the car park. <laughs> And I showed, and I kind of approached like, like not a crazy person. I showed the eight by ten with the, like, like kind of, kind of like, how about it? The eight by ten and the glossy. And he rolls down the window. He goes, "Who do I make it out to?" I go, "Mike, please." To oh Mike. wow! And he's doing, and I've got this gorgeous eight by ten to Mike. Oh, you know, the unforgiven. Wow. wow. Driving his own car, it was almost a disappointment. I thought there'd be a limo. I thought there'd be yeah. security guards. He was so but- human. He doesn't need security guards. I mean, look at the guy. You know, just a, just a yeah, six four, and he could also just shoot yeah. that look. Yeah, it would scare me off. I wish I could do yeah. that in, in class. You know, I said it was a teacher. It'd be great yeah. to be able to just do that look at kids and then just go, hold on. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll shut up now and yeah, <laughs> well, let's do the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great fit. He's just got one of those faces that I think. Yeah, there's there's no actors that I think copy or have got that look now but I guess we were talking about remakes and whatever else and sequels which don't think are possible if if you were to say well do you know what someone decides that we need to redo this man with no name to have another guy like that I suppose and remake westerns because westerns seem to have got off the boil anyway we're not getting a lot of westerns out there is there an actor around that could be the man with no name in a series of films. Can you think of one? Nothing comes to mind immediately, but no. I know like once the podcast wraps, I go, Oh God, it feels like a terrible <laughs> injustice that I didn't name such and such. Yeah. You know? it, it, it would be, I mean, I think personally it'd be, it'd be great to see someone take on that type of role again and not necessarily be Clint Eastwood, but have another series of films where you've got this sort of avenging angel that comes up and maybe dig into that, supernatural effect that I suppose we talked about a little bit with this film man with high plains drifter. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cheese balls out there. I would, I can't oh imagine God, like yeah. there's too many, they work for, for whatever they're doing. If it's a Jurassic park movie or one of the yeah. Marvel movies, like it's, yeah. it works, but I don't yeah. know. Nothing, nothing jumps out at me. Some yeah. movies you just don't want them remade. You don't want them. You don't want no, them I, touched. I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I always mention remakes on the, the show just because there's so many remakes get made and there's so much yeah. out there that where people remaking stuff. Um, but I think yeah. true classics, it's difficult to remake a true classic. Um, yeah. And if you try to do it, you're probably going to get it wrong unless you do shot by shot remake, in which case, what was the point? Right. Um, well, let's, let's talk about that ending scene then. So 
you've alluded that there's something supernatural. What is it that makes you think it's supernatural at the end then? What's your sort of take on this man with no name being more than just human? When, uh, when he finally, and I have to say, how cocky is it that he's reloading? He's walking up to Stockburn who's staring at him and he's reloading his gun, walking towards him. This isn't, <laughs> I mean, it's not realistic, but if you want to like ride no. the ride, okay. He's that gorgeous old, you know, long gun he had. Yeah. And he's, he clicks it open, reloads <coughs> and gives the guy a chance to draw on him. Yeah, when yeah. he gets close enough, Stockburn like that. Stockburn looks at him, and the 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 brim of Clint's hat comes up just enough where the cinematog just the cinematography is gorgeous, and Clint's eyeball yeah, yeah. is lit. Like one of the eyeballs is in the shade, but there's a thing of light. So yeah. you got an eyeball and a little little hint of light. Yeah, and Stockburn like you. So yeah. the fact that Stockburn recognizes him and like it's all there in stock and that guy is yeah. a great actor and it's in his face oh like, yeah yeah i i put you in the ground you shouldn't be here yeah holy cow how are you how back is this possible yeah it's all this like it violates physics yeah change it he's back and clint shoots him not in the back but the bullets nope. go through him because when hull finally shows up he, he yeah. sees the, <clears throat> the guy's hunched over bent yeah. dead leaking and yeah. the pattern, he makes the connect. And thankfully, and I like this, Gab, they didn't do any kind of flashback where Hull doesn't no. go like this, huh? Yeah. And you, and you see, remembering the exact pattern he had seen on Preacher's shirt no. while he's changing. No. They make it far less obvious by just kind of showing you it. And you see a look on his face, and it's obvious a look of recognition, understanding, whatever. But yeah, it's a, a little bit more than just... I mean, now they probably would. They give you a little flashback and go, "Oh, yeah, look, remember, remember this bit." Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they haven't done that. They um, assume competency. Yes, which a lot of directors now definitely don't do. They rather imagine that we're all stupid and haven't got a clue. But that's know. what the remake would do. They would show you. They would, like wouldn't they? Ah, <laughs> it's the same. So it's the same sh pattern. <laughs> probably know. have someone come along and actually say, "Hey, look, it's the same pattern." Yes, yeah. they would. Yeah, somebody would have, hey, it's the same pattern. <laughs> Pointed out completely. Yeah. <laughs> or Clint would turn around and you'd see on his back as he walked away that he had exactly the same pattern. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk, because I kind of missed this, but have you got a, a favorite scene from the film? I mean, that's obviously a brilliant one. The fact that he's walking towards him with the gun and giving him the chance to, to reload. Is, have you got another favorite scene? You know, I, I do, and I don't know if it's... Uh... It, how how when I first saw it, it didn't seem cheesy, but I have a feeling it's been yeah. parodied. And but Lots of when stuff they <laughs> when the um when the miners decide to stand up to Lahood and his henchmen, they they vote yeah. on it like I vote we stay. So Clint knows there's going to be a lot of killing, and and the preacher yeah. rides this I don't understand, but he rides to a bank and exchanges his collar yeah. for his pistols. Yeah. The gun belt. Like he yeah. takes the collar off. He, he exchanged a key. They bring him the box, takes the collar yeah. off. It goes in the box. Out comes the gun belt with two guns. Yeah. I don't know how far he had to ride. Like <laughs> it's kind of implied that he was like, oh, I live in the neighborhood. If, if, yeah. you, if you get past that, if you can look past the fact that he <laughs> got on the horse, rode to 
Wells Fargo Bank in some nearby county. Yeah. It didn't show him getting on a train like, to get my my ornate pistols, I got to get on the Burlington and Northern and (laughs) go to Oklahoma City. I'll be back in about a week and a half. They'll be dead by then. How do I do this? But that scene where he trades his collar for the gas. I think that's oh, a, that's a man. that's a, a it's a really powerful scene, and yeah, it, you have you have to suspend your belief a little bit because obviously, unless he lived in the neighborhood and that bank just happened to be down the road, yeah. it's a bit odd that he's done that cycle, that riding on his horse to get to where it was without trains or whatever. And obviously, public transport back then wasn't the greatest. It's not like you could jump on a plane and get wherever you yeah. need to be. So yeah. Or every bank, every bank kept a spare set of pistols, <laughs> and you could only trade it in if you were an ordained yeah. preacher. And like, oh, you got a collar? Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Here's your pistols. Here's your gun belt. No problem at all. Maybe there is. Maybe that's maybe that's some sort of thing back then. Certain churches had a deal with all the banks that if you ever trade in your collar, you yeah. can get the pistols and things. That'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Ask about I, I, our collars for Derringer's <laughs> exchange program. Gav, I'll tell you something that resonates with that scene. And um, when when lockdown uh, eased up and I could start yeah. doing shows again, yeah, I I um, did I you trade in your mask for a microphone? It's, it's you're, you're kind of close. I I I wear a wristwatch on stage, you know, to keep time, right, okay. you know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, yeah. I don't need one in off stage, and I don't like wearing stuff, but. Yeah, I had put it away in a desk drawer here <laughs> in the flat in my den. And then when things eased up and I'd reached out, um, a guy named Ross Smith with Little Smash Comedy was the, it was the first gig I did after yeah. lock, after not performing for like, what, two years or something. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like it had this feel of like, I'm going to need my watch. <laughs> and I put up the drawer and I'm, like, I'm digging through like receipts and all sorts of razzmatazz. And then like I got out the watch and I put it on and it, there was something reminded me. Of the, I remember thinking of that scene, like, oh, it's like that scene, like, you know, getting the, exchanging the collar, I'm exchanging the mask for the watch. And I had, you know, I was going to South End on sea and I did the gig and he was outside and, you know, but it was socially distanced. But I remember yeah, yeah. thinking that it made me think of that scene, trading yeah. in the collar for the guns, like I'm trading in the mask for the wristwatch. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. That's just like, you know, if you're, if you're a movie junkie, I think you find a corollary Oh, it's like yeah, the Death Star. You know, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. whatever you're doing, there's a oh, it's like that thing from Casino Royale. Yeah, I think it's it's the, th- the thing that everyone does when they've got a a favorite film or something like that. You you see in real life things that were in the film, and you kind of go, oh, that's just like in that film when that happened. And yeah, happens all the time. Is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you want to mention? That some stuff you think we've missed or whatever. Um, I made it, I made some notes just, you know, in case we ran out of things to talk about, but I, I, <laughs> were two, like I, I'd read a book about Clint Eastwood back in the day. And I remember him saying, or, or his, I don't know if he made a point of it, but somebody had, it was the inverse of don't just stand there, do something. He was the yeah. opposite with like, don't just do something, stand there. There was a quiet power yeah. Yeah. In, in the coiled and restrained tension and the movements. They were very measured yeah. and, yeah. you know, it didn't ever seem stilted, but it was, and when I was in high school, a bunch of us, uh, a bunch of the nerds, people who, you know, were actors, you know, doing yep. plays or whatever, Pippin and stuff, we, we uh, got hired to be in a made-for-TV movie with some flavor-of-the-day teenage star. <laughs> and 
it was about the making of like some kids dreams about making a music video. So within this yeah. movie, there's a video for her song. All right. And okay. The director. I remember the director goes, all right, when we yell action, just go crazy. Start throwing balls around. I want you to dance. You want to climb the tree. You can climb the tree. <laughs> and, and I took the, I took the opposite. I remember like when everybody's going, like I could either be crazier than everybody else or slow as molasses. And in the end, <laughs> in the end, there's just a shot of me with this like straw boater hat. And I just kind of leaned against the tree, watching the action and tip the hat forward. And it got in the movie and Excellent. it was only because of Clint doing like yeah. doing the minimum. Yeah. Just thought, What's the opposite of what everyone's doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah. And it, was it was from Pale Rider. Yeah. I guess if, if you're wanting to stand out with a bunch of very, very crazy guys, you've got to either go uber crazy and more crazy than them yeah. or exactly the opposite and just, yeah, stand. Yeah. He does we, a lot of very, very good standing, does Clint Eastwood. He's, he's excellent at just standing and looking and not actually saying, a lot, but he says an awful lot with yeah. his movements. Yeah. It's like a piece of granite that also happens to yeah. once in a while. <laughs> yes. Hey, Gav, I heard a funny story where better than getting a selfie, they, he, he uh, gave some people, you know, like Dirty Harry or something. Now, this is third hand, but I know I know it happened because I have a friend that talked to people, but um, cool. s- some friends of a friend were having a smoke outside behind a recording studio. Right. And out out of nowhere, coming out the back door is Clint Eastwood. He had been on <laughs> the premises to do something. And they're just so not wow. expecting Clint Eastwood. Nobody had said, be cool, Clint Eastwood's coming today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're just yeah. having a smoke. It's almost like it may as well be Batman or something. Just like yeah. the door opens. <laughs> and Clint, six foot four, 200 something. Yeah, just, yeah. Clint comes and they just... They stare at him and they just can't get their heads around the fact that Clint Eastwood is there. And he looks down yeah. and he goes, what are you pussies looking at? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> he gave them Dirty Harry. What's, what's not, you don't need a selfie. He, they, they got, they got no. like two seconds with Dirty Harry himself. Yeah. yeah. What are you pussies that, looking at? That memory in their head forever. That'd be brilliant, forever. wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Oh. I just loved hearing that. I yeah. It was the coolest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna meet someone like that, an idol of some sort, for them to do one of their characters just in front of you, rather than go out, go and yeah, I'll do a picture with you. It's gotta be better, hasn't it? Yeah. Gotta be. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, only two people saw it happen, but it's as good oh. as like, you know, as long as that other person is alive, you can go, We really saw that, right? That really happened. Yeah, it really, really happened. That yeah. really happened. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Right. Tough bit. I think this is tough, but a lot of guests told me it's really, really easy. Um I always ask my guests to try and sell the film in about 30 seconds. So can you sell Pale Rider in about 30 seconds? I guess so. Oh, I cool. reckon so. Give it, give it a try then. Give it a shot. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. A violent preacher helps down on the luck miners stand up to a ruthless, violent, depraved, psychopathic land baron in a time of great need, he discovers the gunfighter in him, and they discover the the tenacity and the and the bravery needed to overcome the threats from the land baron. Brilliant! I think that works. And roughly thirty seconds. 
that cut also, out he didn't really reporters. discover the gunfighter in him. That was always just waiting to come out. Oh, you that know, was just that. It was at the he, bank. He just had a hand in his dog collar and he was fine. <laughs> I think you, you mentioned that you wanted the best line. Like, you know, when oh, we yeah. first, do you remember like when he first shows up? Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're pushing around Hull. Yes. And Go on. Clint, without saying a word, and the bur- the spurs making that jingly jangly metal noise that they make, like two, yeah, yeah. two pieces of steel, clang, 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 goes to the the barrel outside of the dry goods shop, takes out an axe handle, yeah. a smooth, burnished, slick, polished, wields it, pow, 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 slap, slap, bang, crunch, knocks out all of these bad guys. And there's some yeah. great shots of like, their stuff flying in the air almost yeah like, yeah 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 like the batman tv show just like yeah they, they're trying to <laughs> <"Ow."> yeah <laughs> and and he puts the stick back and says nothing like a good piece of hickory <laughs> yeah that's how we meet him that's how yes. we meet him he's just the pre yeah. the, oh it's just incredible he's yeah he, and also i love the word hickory i gotta say gav that's yeah, a nice word, word isn't it it just it works like birch would work teak yeah. might work but Hickory just has such an earthy, homey, like, oh, yeah. cabin. Oh, we had it done in Hickory. It has such an earthy <laughs> feel. But the fact that he's dispatched these slimy yeah. guys yeah. with a piece of Hickory, an axe handle, didn't even break yeah. the axe handle. He just, you know, no, no, one he didn't. It was, yeah, and then just put it back where it was. Yeah. Put didn't it even back pay for where it. it was. Didn't have, yeah. He didn't have to pay you. Like, hey, man, but you no. break it, you buy it. He didn't even break it. Put it didn't right back. Nothing like a good piece no. of Hickory. Yeah. It's a good line. It's a good. Actually, might use that from now on. Yeah. <laughs> now I remember it. <laughs> so many, so many good Clint lines. Every movie has oh, like a takeaway line. He, he kind of excels at the the catchphrase, I suppose. Um, I mean, Dirty Harry's, you know, make my day. It's kind of it's one that's there for everyone. Um, but yeah, he, there is always a takeaway line somewhere that he uses. It's kind of a cheesy. It's almost that James Bond esque one where he pulls a, a line after he dispatches yeah. some bad guys, and and that's what he says. Yeah, but I, I do, do you, like do the. Remember um, in Magnum Force, he blows up the crooked um, police commissioner's car. Yeah, Hal Holbrook, and yep. the, the, the car is like rolling along. It's on fire. He's killed him, and he just man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of them, isn't there? Oh man, <laughs> there should there should be a book somewhere of Clint Eastwood quotes. There probably right. is. If someone hasn't sure. written it, maybe I will. Maybe I'll go through and I'll find the the best lines that he's ever made and and write a piece. I might do that. That that might be something I can do. Um, I think we've covered it really well. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, yeah. Can you just tell us again where people can find you, read your content, that type of thing online. What was that name of that website again? It's my it's my last name, but I guess people have to be able to spell Capazola. It's uh, C A P O Z Z O L A Capazola dot com. Excellent. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Anyone who wants to find out where you are playing that type of thing, it'll be there. Um, before we go, just to say uh, this episode, our next episode, it, it, we're off our two week schedule just for just by a little bit because my next episode is a Halloween special and it's going to come out just one day early. Because I thought there's no way I can release my Halloween special on the first of November, so I'm releasing on the thirty first of October instead, which is a Tuesday. So we're just coming out one daily for that Halloween episode, which will be in just under two weeks' time. That's it for now. So thanks for everyone. Bye bye for now.
nothing like a nice piece of hickory.